0: Endings and Beginnings, the ending of a year and the beginning of another year. I read about a book called The Dhamma Brothers. The subtitle is Meditation Behind Bars. And it's about a group of 15 maximum security prisoners in Alabama who did a 10-day vipassana meditation retreat in prison. Vipassana is the style of meditation that we're learning. And this was unconventional to have in a prison. And certainly in a state like Alabama, which is very conservative, and there was even an objection by a minister. And for a while they had to stop this project from being organized so that they could make this minister understand. It's a non-denominational practice, and it's not meant to convert people to anything, but has proved very successful in the past in another prison in India. I saw a film of a 10-day retreat for a thousand prisoners in a penitentiary in India, where they had to put up a special tent to house them. The night that they were supposed to start their retreat... There was this terrible windstorm that blew down the tent and drenched everything. But the prisoners were so keen. And they also had a very unusual prison warden who was looking for something. I think it was a woman that could help the prisoners get over their habits of negativity and violence that wasted the whole prison experience completely and made their situation even worse than when they were coming in, habituated to anger and to resistance and to unskillful behavior. In that retreat, these men were allowed to come and go without being chained, but they were under heavy guard. I think some of the guards, they weren't sitting the retreat, but they were also deeply affected by what was going on. And at the end, some of them broke down weeping in front of the warden, and some of their guards, weeping with gratitude and remorse and even hugging their guards. Mm -hmm. Because what they learned during the ten days was that the pain that they had inflicted was due to the pain that they inflict on themselves through the way that we allow our minds to control us. And by having to sit still for ten days and just meditate Meditate and watch and listen and see how the mind works. How many of you were on the weekend, you came for both days? Just as you might have been nervous beforehand, then at the end, what did you feel? Peaceful. Peaceful. Can you imagine ten days of it? Mm -hmm. So these men, hardcore prisoners, were really quite melted and disbelieving the feelings that could arise in them, feelings of joy, of happiness, of love, of friendship, of letting go of their struggle, letting go their hostility, letting go the blackness, even for a few hours. And in Alabama, a similar thing happened. These prisoners, there were 15 of them who attended the retreat. It's small. But they went through some great transformation, and they began to use their prison life as a retreat and keep meditating in prison. And they had started writing letters to each other. And this book is a collection of the letters that these 15 men who had taken this retreat have been writing about their struggles, about what they learned, about what they're doing with their minds now that they've gotten this wonderful meditation tool. There's a film by Dr. Jenny Phillips. She's an anthropologist. So if prisoners in a penitentiary can get so much out of meditating for 10 days, then imagine how much you can benefit not in prison, having a pretty satisfactory life, and not struggling too much, a little bit here and there with the normal demons of human life, how much you can get out of using a practice which is not about believing anything, quite the opposite. It's about understanding how we develop our beliefs and become slaves to them, about how we buy into our habits and let them rule us to our own detriment about how we fix ourselves and others in ways that destroy the goodness that is naturally inherent in everyone. This shows us that every human being, no matter how misdirected, misguided, and what kind of things have gone by, what they have done already, what harm they may have inflicted, or ill-begotten deeds perpetrated. Somewhere in there, there is that reservoir of goodness that unfortunately has not been tapped, not been brought to light. No human being should be given up on. There's so much possibility. We're talking about people who have committed terrible crimes. Rape and murder and domestic violence and child abuse and you name it, they're in there. They were attending this retreat and realizing what they have done and how awful it is, and feeling remorse because of blindness, because of wrong understanding, because of poor training as kids, poor examples in their lives, coming from terrible situations themselves, having been victimized or badly influenced. But we also must never give up on ourselves. No matter how hopeless we feel in life, no matter how awful things may seem from time to time, or for some people chronically, we must never give up on ourselves, let alone on anyone else, as being too hopeless or too bad to bother with. Let's just throw them in jail and. Lose the key, basically. Don't, don't bother with those people. That doesn't mean they're going to be let off. But at least it means that while they're in prison, that they might be able to use those years to improve themselves, to grow spiritually if they can't be out in society. It's a very worthwhile teaching for us to contemplate in this particular meditation practice What we're really trying to do is we're trying to open the door to that reservoir of goodness inside of us in such a way that we empower it. We empower it more and more by observing ourselves and understanding where our suffering comes from. And we begin to see that it comes from our thoughts. It comes from believing our thoughts. It comes from not knowing how to stop those thoughts, even if they're terrible. It's not understanding where suffering stops and how to end it. We feel that if we have better thoughts, we won't suffer. But then the better thoughts turn into not nice thoughts, and we're back where we started. So we're always running around thinking, trying to think our way out of our predicaments, whether it's what you're going to do when you retire from this wonderful job you've had for 15 years, or maybe you're in a relationship and you know it's not working, and you don't have the heart to say anything, but you really need to. This particular way of being with ourselves and looking at our experience helps us to go beyond thinking if we try to force our mind to stop, that's not the answer. Have you ever tried to pretend that you're not angry? Have you ever tried to strangle your worry? Or fake it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry. But then it just keeps chewing away, little by little, all day long, even all night long, sometimes for hours and hours, days and days, even for weeks. Some people can't sleep because of worry, or because of stress. But the key is not to fight with our thoughts, with more thoughts, but to just observe our thoughts and understand what they really are, that they're only thoughts, and they're not me, they're not you. We are not our thoughts. How to do this is we listen from our belly we watch the mind from our belly, not from our brain. We use awareness in the present moment, just the way a scientist uses a microscope. You know, when a scientist wants to understand the nature of disease, they take a microscope and they put a specimen there, and they look into the nature of the cell, of the tissue on that little piece of glass, and they study it, they see how it moves, and if it moves a certain way, they know it's normal. If it moves another way, it's abnormal. So in the microscope of the mind, we observe our experience. And that microscope is our awareness Awareness only looks at the present moment. That's all it looks at. It doesn't look at the past. It doesn't look at the future. It's not in time. It's timeless. It's just present moment awareness. And it doesn't last forever. Every moment of awareness is brand new. A moment ago, when you were trying to listen while I was clearing my throat, that doesn't count now. That's finished. Now is a new moment of awareness. If you give awareness to the moment totally, you will see what's arising in front of you clearly, purely, exactly as it is, with no filter of thought. And that is a moment of freedom. Because you will see your thoughts as empty, as nothing. And you will no longer follow them when you no longer follow them you will be completely at ease in that awareness which is pure, clear and empty there's no anxiety no stress no wanting there's nothing missing there's no hankering there's no falling out of love there's no falling in love it's a Christ moment it's a Buddha moment Buddha meaning enlightened the enlightened mind. It's a moment of pure light. It's liberating. If we have one moment like that, we feel, what was that? There's nothing. It's everything. Is complete. To have one moment like that gives you the faith and the trust that this practice is something unusual. And if you have two moments like that, immediately... You want another one. (laughs) Greed sets in and we're back to square one. (laughs) What we really have to try is to go beyond the greed, beyond the negativity. Greed is the wanting, and negativity is the not wanting. So it all comes from greed is the principal cause of suffering. We don't have something we want, or we want something we don't have. And we're not happy with what we have. Or we want to get rid of what we have. So the same thing. It's greed. You're reaching out to get rid of this. You're you're fighting it because you want something else instead. In the moments when we are suffering, to bring up, to be able to be aware of the fact that we're suffering through this practice of awareness from moment to moment even if you're in the midst of the most terrible crisis, you can always stop, focus on your breath and be aware that you're struggling. The moment that you're aware that you're struggling you're not struggling in the moment that you're aware that you're struggling. There's a difference. Do you see it? It's like when you're applying the brake. When you're driving your car and you brake, and you're aware that you're speeding and you brake, in that moment you're not speeding because you're braking.